Hello and welcome to Josh Coleman's podcast, a place to have inspired conversation with interesting people. Hey everyone, today's podcast has Shahar Rabi on for the second time. We cover a lot of ground and a lot of really interesting topics in this podcast. He's launching a book very, very soon about the future of religion. Now, when we talk about religion, it's not about the dogma, it's not about the past authoritarian structures, but something that's alive within us. Keep an open mind and enjoy. It's Shahar back again. Hey, Josh. Hey, how you doing? Good man? to be back. Yeah. I, um, I have to say that the podcast we recorded the last time ended up being the one that was seen the most um, of, of all the different ones that I've worked with. And a lot of people, not only was it seen, but it was seen, if you know what I mean. It wasn't just heard. It was like people really heard what you were saying. I had a lot of people that are in the activist field, for example, come back and say, wow, that really helps me ground myself and center myself to do this activism in an even better way. Yeah, I was I was really happy to hear that people were contacting me and, and asking me questions, and it was it was a cool experience. And, and thank you for having me over. Oh, it's so easy. I hope we do this many times again. You're one of you're one of the people I, I admire very strongly as a friend and as a person who I think has a lot to offer in the world. Thanks, Josh. So speaking of things to offer in the world, you are launching a book, and we talked about that the last time, but it seems like you're much more serious about this launch right now, to the point where you've actually launched a crowdfunding campaign. I did, and it is a combination of horror (laughs) (laughs) with with a lot of self-doubt and vulnerability, and I wrote yesterday in my journal, and I said, like, the experience of publishing yourself of, of, of trying to self-promote is, is, is quite a quite a painful experience because you you kind of lose the I vow relationship with human beings and suddenly they become these objects where you're trying to like push things at them and get things from them so, so they, they lose the subjectivity and, that, and that's that, that's one of the most painful experience here of, of doing this but I also I also really believe in the book and the message, so I understand and I'm trying to do it with as as much authenticity as possible, but just that gesture of going out and saying, support me, see me, like, it's it's difficult, it's difficult. I'm not judging it, I think it's important to be seen, but there's a scene here that, that, that wants, you know, and, and that's, that's, I think, I think a lot of people who are putting themselves out there on, on Facebook and social media are probably at least... I'm guessing, and kind of have to dialogue with those with, that, with this experience. It's actually one of the hardest things that I have to do as well. And even recently, I had to cancel an event because there wasn't enough attendance. And I was just like, okay, well, there you go. I, I put it out there with a the real price and everything. Like I'm putting myself there with a price tag. And not only is it is it wasn't hard actually to let go of it. It was more just like it doesn't surprise me where I'm at right now, because I still feel quite insecure about uh, exchanging money for these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and again, money is a huge issue for a lot of us, especially in the spiritual world. And, um, saying that what we have to say matters and what, what perspective counts and, and we want people to pay us to hear that. That's, that's, that's a huge leap. That's a huge leap. So mm-hmm. what I've been doing, and, and maybe this would help other people who are putting them out, themselves out there, is to remind myself that there's needs and there's wants. And I think the need is something I have to give myself. 
So the, the need to feel safe, the need to be accepted, the need to belong has to come from inside of me and, and with people that I, I feel safe with. And, and really that sense of like, hey, I belong. I belong in this body. I belong in this world. I belong to this community. And then, and then the want is like, oh, I want to publish this book. Oh, I want people to sponsor this book. And really separating these two. Mm. And, and not because if you tie them, it, yeah, if you tie them yeah, together. Yeah, because if not, if not, then if not, then 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 if I'm not successful, you know, I'm, I'm connecting a need to success. I'm connecting a need to become somebody. And then if somebody takes that away, then then I can people fall into profound shame and actually even kill themselves because they made this connection between want and need, both beautiful, by the way, both need and want. But as we collapse these two two things together. We we um, um, we might we might actually uh, get enmeshed with something that is a fantasy, like being famous or being uh, having money, <laughs> you know. And yet, needs can always be met. Yeah, no, wants not always. That's wonderful. And again, I think a lot of people could hear that. And I don't know that I've ever heard that so eloquently put. Um, so I hope that I'm glad that you have the tools to deal with that while you're going through this process as well. Yeah, it's it's humbling and it's a, and therefore a great opportunity to grow. Well, okay. So, what is your intention with this book? Okay, I okay. One of the things I, I told you before we went live is that I feel like we need to do yoga to the mind, not only to the body, and that means stretching muscles in the collective mind that they're kind of like rigid and they've been rigid for a long time around concepts can you like, uh, can you give some god. examples yeah god. yeah uh, god and religion these are these these are these these two concepts have so much weight and they come with so much pain and trauma and grief and disappointment and hate and separation that you know me writing a book about God and religion, it could, could sound like a really stupid idea if I want people to read a book. Because the minute people hear the word God and, and religion, they, they just go, oh, what is he, a Christian or a Muslim or a Buddhist? What is he trying to convince me of something? Where, what, in fact, what I'm trying to do is reclaim these words and stretch the mind to be able to not be trapped by... Um, pre-modern definitions. Well, you've always also been incredibly inclusive of atheism when you've done your teachings and work. You, whenever you list off religions, atheism is always one of them that you list off, which I think is quite unique. And so I know that you're not a fundamentalist in the terms of religion. So my question is, I, can't, I don't think anyone wants to go back to the way religion has been. We, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I don't think we want to go back to the definitions and the superstitions that God has brought. So what would be a way to reformat these words in a way that is helpful to people in this time? I think we need to put them on a spectrum because, because the, the religious impulse has been evolving and it shifted from pre-modern versions into more personal versions. So now we don't use the word religion, we, we use the word spirituality. In essence, the impulse to connect, the impulse to belong to something that is bigger than just um, humanity. So it could be nature, it could be the cosmos, it could be uh, a divinity. And it's still, it's still a need, it's still something that's, that's, that's 
uh, an important part of our development as human beings and as culture. So that's number one. Um, number two, especially, and with God, um, if until uh, if and still today, people perceive God as a specific. They they put this infinity in a box and say my box is better than your box and my box is the right box and i'm gonna to have to blow you up because your box is wrong then now we can start saying that first of all we can say hey look at all these beautiful boxes they're all beautiful right and, and which all, is, all these... a huge yeah which is already a huge leap huge yeah but i'm saying i'm saying maybe i'm saying okay cool good for us um, can we can we have a box that includes a few boxes, hmm. or even a box that usually we didn't include in, like atheism? Yeah, well, and I think again to include atheism in this spectrum of connection, like instead of using God just right now, let's call it connection. And if you can include atheists in that connection, and we can include the different religious practices and the different Aboriginal and Indigenous practices, if we can include these all in a thing, because it, it is very personal to each person, but geez, it is still in our hearts, isn't it? It must come from... Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it, you know what? We know that because it's showing up in every single culture on the planet, and it's been showing up since the beginning of time. The so, impulse itself, the eros itself, the, the, the core impulse is 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 going to stay so so when people try to say hey if we just get rid of religion then everything's going to be great um two things one religion is actually growing in a lot of parts of the world so it's not going anywhere the second part is that if we don't create new structures for the impulse to manifest that that infinity to to show up in a box so to speak then that energy has to go somewhere Water always wants to flow, right? So think about water. Water always, water's going to choose the right, the easiest path, right? The same with a religious impulse. If we don't provide it a bigger, more, a, a bigger container that's easy to access, the energy is going to go backwards. That's what we see. Um, Russ... the, these, these, these retractions. That's what we see. The, the, the political and the, these, you know, fascists and, 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 and populists showing up all over the world. Because we're not providing the next step, yeah, so people, that, that so energy is going backwards. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also, I, I remember Russell Brand once said that without um, a connection to something, a vacuum is created, and so we'll also funnel it into superficial things like celebrity, where we put people onto pedestals and and materialism and that kind of stuff too. So that's another kind of suck that it can it can start to create because yeah. we need to believe in yeah. something or we need to focus on something. Exactly. So, so the main things that we're seeing right now in the world, right, is is nihilism, narcissism, where people again the vacuum. So people fill it up with celebrities and, and you know focusing on things that are maybe not as nourishing. Then we're seeing ethnocentricity again, the regression to tribalism and to a sense of like us against them. Um, we're also seeing um, um, radicalization. I, I talked to you about this last time. Yeah. And and, and group mentality. And it's, it, these are all classical symptoms of a system that is struggling to upgrade itself. So the two things that I think that most people, and myself included, like I said, I've, I've had some pretty strong digs against religion most of my life. 
Um, the two things that I think are the biggest issues that people to overcome when we talk about religion is God is that either God is an authoritarian figure, almost like a parental figure who's judging us, where we're in a culture right now where we're trying to get rid of those things. We're like, well, fuck you. I'm going to actually do what I want. Um, so the idea of a parent or a God so, or a teacher. Exactly. Exactly that, Josh. I wanted to say you down here. That's the, the, the development of our relationship to God is the same development as our relationship to our parents. We have to grow up to be an adult in a relationship to the divine. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the relationship is not like, oh, God, ugh, daddy is scary. He's going to be punishing me. It's more like, hey, God, you fucked up. Or like, I'm, 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 you kind of hurt me. So I'm going to put some boundaries here. And I'm going to have a relationship with you. Or that is a suchness, which include me and you right now speaking on this phone. Yeah. Um. That is that is 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 from a place of a secure sense of self. So, in other words, it's like I am independent and also connected. Yes, yeah. and that's what love is. That makes sense to me. Um, and exactly. Not that there's no love. Yeah, no, that it's makes a lot of sense to me. And and I think that the other problem, and it's very correlated to that first one, is that so many humans have abused the position of power when leading religions, right? And I think that yes. that's the other thing that is quite a concern is that people are going to say, well, God told me to insert and then just do all this fucked up stuff, you know? Um, so how, how would you respond to that? That I think that the age of leadership is uh, over. So, so I think the age of spiritual leadership is over. Great. I think, <laughs> so I, I don't think that um, the, the, the communities of tomorrow, the spiritual communities of tomorrow should have a, a figure that is the leadership of the group. Right. I think that's old school. So, so what I see in what I call micro religions, um, and and I don't believe that we can handle more than that, are actually about up to two hundred fifty people, almost like a tribe, mm -hmm. uh, that lasts for seven years. Because I don't, I, I think I spoke to you last time. I think that religion should end. Well, I, um, actually, could you describe that seven year process? Because I think that's fascinating. Oh, just yeah, sure. But just before that, I want to say something about the leadership. I think that we need to move to a group as leader mm -hmm. and include within it lineage holders mm -hmm. so there's, there's going to be this nice tension dialectic tension between the group our own personal leadership on ourselves which means also taking responsibility accountability and having integrity so when we see shit call on it mm -hmm. and when Absolutely. we see our leaders messing up and noticing our counter-transference and not buying into that. Um, I can go on and on about that, but let's just talk about the process. I think one of the things that the religion was always missing, and this is not my idea, I don't want to own it, but is development. So right. they found like an end and they just stopped right there kind of thing. Yeah, because there was never a process where, where we actually went, that's new, that's, 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 that came from psychology. Now take psychology and put that into religion where where people are going through the process of safety of of exploration of power of love of connection of belonging of vision all these things not just as a person which we do in our own personal development but as a community and in that process we we we, we actually grow up and mature and through the seven-year process, where leader, having somebody 
who's like a, 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 a placeholder for a father or a mother who tells us what's right and wrong is unnecessary. Totally. Because as, as adults, we don't do that. We don't go, like, we might have elders that we like. We might have therapists that we listen because they have more experience than us. But it's not the um, projected image of you're wise and I'm not. You have the answer and I'm not. You are you are so profound and I'm not. That's counter-transference. That's not real. That's a fantasy. So so when I talk about stretching the yoga, you know, the yoga of the mind when it comes to our belief systems, so many ideas have to fall or at least be in dialogue for us to even start to understand where... The, the next impulse of religion. I totally, totally agree. And, um, and I think, again, you're addressing a lot of these concerns that people have. That counter-transference phenomena is something that I was actually uh, addressing in a, in a workshop recently on not giving our power away to people like healers and teachers and that kind of stuff. And, but at the same yeah. time, but it was cool because at the same time, the idea was we can still learn from people for fuck's sakes. Like it's not a yeah. problem. <laughs> and it's just that we've never like when you think about it, even in human development or cultural development forever up until just recently, our parents were always had to be right. Right. This is just recent that we've even been exploring this different concept of like, oh, my parents and I have differing viewpoints. But, uh, you know, we both just live side by side. That's brand new. Exactly. So, so these are really new structures, and and therefore, you know what? I'll, I'll say something a bit more radical. It's not only really new structures for new territories; is that we don't even have the new territories. Right. Yeah. Like it's just and brand new. Yeah. So this is we're walking. Imagine the the universe expanding into nothingness. It's not expanding into space. There is like it's you know what I mean. Like it's actually growing into I don't even know what to say. It's the same thing with our mind. We are not creating maps to go into territories. The territories themselves are being created in the mind of God by us as representatives, so to speak. Hmm. And in that, we are helping God to learn and grow, not the other way around. Oh, that's wonderful. Reverse. Yeah, that's really great. It's not that, yeah, it's not that God is this parental figure, but that we're actually facilitating this process of growth. Because we have to break the concept. Even me and you talking about God, you can even see how we're creating a third person. Yeah. It that's out there. That is a pre-modern idea. Like, I want the the people who are listening to just try to experience yourself in, in, inside God or as God. As reality, if you don't like the word God, as divinity, that is, is, it has this, it has this movement toward complexity, this movement toward diversity, it's, it's this really, movement to know itself. It's cool, and again, and, that you include atheism. I've, I've often said that I feel like atheists actually have this really cool one up because when you drop all the superstition, you drop all the structures of religion, and you're totally just like, I don't believe in any of that. Then if you have a genuine, I'm going to say spiritual experience or an experience of reality that's direct as your understanding of the, the means of creation as being one with us, then from mm-hmm. there, you're not going to insert that God did it or that Jesus did it or that a figure did it. It's just going to be your experience with reality itself. Yes. And and um, that's why it, the humanistic post, postmodern and atheist movements were so important. 
the only issue I have, and, and I hope that the people listening don't be offended, is that a lot of these movements believe that they are the end. A lot of atheist people say, and that's all. I am the end of development I, of, of a culture. I'm like, I've got, I've arrived. You know, like, this is it. If you get here, like, you have arrived, or like postmodernity or humanistic. And I'm saying, I think you're actually a step or a stage. And I think there's something beyond you. So could you describe that process of any any growth that can't be the end, right? Like there's no such thing as the end of a development. Um, and it seems that it's really often that we fall into that arrival trap. Yes. So uh, because, um, well, from a psychological point of view, it makes us feel safe, contained, uh, it, it, it grounds us, and, and, it, and life makes sense. We see this a lot, even with quite progressive things like um, like non-dualism, for example. I've met non-dualists that identify as non-dualists and thereby <clears throat> halt their production, which is kind of ironic considering non-dualism is a, a, a movement or a flow that happens in real time. Um, I was a fundamentalist. I was a non-dualist fundamentalist, so my, I want to own it. <laughs> my name is Shahar, and I was a fundamentalist non-dualist. <laughs> So I understand the power of leaderships yeah. and how tempting that is. So, so a lot of the stuff I write in this book come from my experience, and and I think the and and, and in that the the humbling, humbling experience where you you really think you found the answers and you're like nope, and then again nope not that oh here I go nope not that and then you, I think what I've I think I hope what I arrived to is a place where where giving answers is, is not the solution but instead is giving giving people um, a, a quality like it's almost like uh, principles and a quality that they can then run and do their own work that's wonderful it's so, so it's not yeah. centralized it's yeah. not like hey you need to understand this world view and if you live according to this way you know that's still old that's still the old impulse, yeah. giving answers and and, create, and making people feel like somebody has a solution. And so how to address that issue of safety that's going to come up when we realize we don't have answers, we don't have a solution. How would you um, encourage a person gets comfortable with that discomfort? Okay, so let's, I think the first thing is to slow down and to get concrete with your body, with the people that you love and love you with your bed, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and keep it away from the theory. Because in all, and I write about in the book, in all developmental movement, we got to start, and I said that last time we spoke, with safety and ground, safety and ground, safety and ground. That really what matters. And I do believe that this developmental trajectory or this impulse is alive it's in the collective consciousness and it's moving through you. What you need to do is just relax into it. Mm-hmm. it you know what to do. A two-year-old, my, my seven-year-old, doesn't, doesn't, I don't need to teach him to start walking. He knows what to do. Yeah. He knows when to start talking at two and he knows how to go. Like, you know what I mean? He knows, the, the, our consciousness is built to develop and to move toward more complexity, more diversity when we're not trapping it with fear and boxes 
in conceptualization. And I know that people do this same fundamentalism with meditation, but would you recommend meditation? Like, is that a word you, what word, is there a word you could use to point toward people towards how to be relaxed like that and trust? Anything that works for you. Like that's, again, that's why I'm not giving an answer. What right. I'm trying to say <laughs> is that each community, because it's based on local, quite a small structure of up to 250 people, they're going to have their own lineages. Yeah. They're going to have their own ceremonies and traditions, initiations, and spiritual elements. That should be left for, like, that's, that's where people should really have ownership and leadership. So if, if, if one community is uncomfortable with meditation, then what, what are they comfortable with within, as a spiritual element that grounds and makes them feel safe? And... That's the piece where I think we um, kind of like that sense of authority, or like saying, "Hey, you should meditate," because what happens then? Then meditation can become a second-hand gesture. It does. I mean, I've seen that happen a million times. That's absolutely right. It, it happened to me. Like you can actually spend, and I've met people who've been meditating for fifteen years, and they're really good meditators. They got it, and they lack the context so you can be very focused and still not understand awakening yeah well absolutely i remember one thing i remember you saying this in a course actually is that a lot of times we use things like meditation to not deal with our own shit as well right any 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 one of these tools can be a way to avoid our developmental edge yeah and that's well, I'm flipping this on its head, and I'm saying let's start with our developmental edge, and then integrate that right. the tools. Let's start with the cultural or worldview upgrade, and then the tools or the applications really don't matter. And I think that you, you know, just right. And Krishna Modi said that. Krishna Modi said, "Look, you you can put a picture, you can put an apple on your shrine and pray for the apple <laughs> for a month, and that apple becomes holy." Yeah. No. You know. So so these 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 elements and i think that's what that's why a lot of people get cynical about religion they're like come on dude it's a statue like why is people and 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 the, you can get cynical about them you can also see the beauty of of devotion the dedication and the in the context and the depth but just like if, if you're just doing that without the depth what you get is um, some sort of like you said like it's 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 um What's the word? Um, it's empty of, of, of the, the impulse. That makes sense. And I think you've described this very well. I just want to sum it up one more time for the listener. What I think that you're saying is our consciousness wants to develop and to grow and to move forward. And if we can get out of the way, dare I say, or allow that process to happen, then we will continue to grow regardless of the tools or regardless of the, the, the outside events. Yes. And um, I, one more piece that development doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happened within a culture and social uh, context. Yeah. And therefore, we need a kind of social and cultural context to allow for the next developmental impulse. Well, there's a and lot. Currently, yeah. I feel like we're, we're, mess we're missing that. Yeah. And also, because we're missing that, it's actually this might be the exact event that we need in order to, to move into this, right? <laughs> This is uh, that's what I'm saying that in in some way crisis it's nicer not to have crisis in order to grow, but sometimes crisis help us grow. Although sometimes trauma 
uh, it becomes uh, uh, um, it, it prevents us from developing. It actually um, keeps us um, um, malnourished, psychologically speaking. So we had a person on Facebook ask a question, and it was, why is certain things like health illnesses, like cancer and things that affect our body taken seriously, but mental illness, things like depression are not? How would you answer that? Okay, first of all, um, context. My mother was mentally ill for many years as a, when I was a child with depression and and. I suffered from depression, and I will say suffer because it might hit me again in the future. You never know with depression, um, although I'm right now in remission. Um, and I think that on a personal note, it's it, the problem with depression is that this, people might not even know you're depressed. Right. Um, with with the more physical illnesses, you really see the symptoms. People get, you know, you can you can see the symptoms. With depression, you might not even see the symptoms yourself. Right. You might actually the symptoms might be what could be opposite of what seems to like what depression looks like. It could be agitation, um, outburst of anger lack of concentration so so you so even the diagnosis itself can be again even with cancer the diagnosis can be complex and, and sometimes people miss it but doctors miss it but with, with depression that's one of the problems the other one is that depression is not only a personal it can be it could be clinical depression and and, and therefore the, yeah it is it is an imbalance in the brain but it it's not I don't want people to understand depression only as as a personal um, disease or disorder or um, mental um, challenge because I also want to put depression within a social context because a lot of times depression is um, gets stuck in somebody or um, manifests because of, of lack of social support. Mm where the person doesn't have enough, the person exhausted, and he doesn't have anyone to talk to. It's, it's not enough money for therapy. Yeah. He's, he's, he or she are stuck in a situation that is depressing, like working too much and not making money, and supporting a ill a parent. And so there are situations, and, and, and especially with globalization, and I, and I wrote my PhD on this, especially with globalization and in the sense of alienation, cultural and social alienation, we're, we're seeing more depression. So if cancer is growing right now because of toxicity and pollution and, and lifestyle, the same with, with depression, it's growing because of social toxicity and, and, and social and a lot of times a social context. People are feeling isolated. They don't have the kind of connections they had before. And so that's another piece that doesn't, that's a bit, again, different from, from, from another physical illness that might not have the social or, or cultural context that is causing it and also can heal it. You know, cancer might, by having connection and love and, and spirituality, we can improve um, results with cancer too. But, but when you think about depression and the right kind of context and the right kind of support can heal depression quite quickly. 
Oh, that, that... I've worked with clients. I've worked with clients who came to me utterly depressed, like like dysfunctional. And within four to six weeks with intensive care, came out of it. Mm. I can't say that about cancer. I can't say that about um, chronic illnesses. If I had people who were catatonic um, with very heavy medicated that slowly with the right process, we helped them come out of it within, you know, two, three, five months. And they're functional and they're happy. And so I think that's one of the reasons people are missing it out. And also because uh, our lack of awareness. That's another piece that we're still um, way behind. That I have seen growing tremendously people oh yeah it's oh it's unbelievable and it is unbelievable people are able to say hey i've been suffering depression for years and back in the day i think in like even you know more than 10 years ago people would actually shame a person for expressing any form of mental illness because you're considered weak right yeah yeah and i think that's again part of reclaiming and part of me telling my story is, is to encourage other people to do the same like and it is not your fault if you have depression this is this is not your fault. This I, I when I when, when the when the cloud of depression gets close to me, it feels like a, a like a like chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing is wrong with my life. I'm happy. I have this beautiful life, my, my beautiful family, and it just hits you. It's not your fault. My, I'm, I'm grateful for the years of practice as a meditator where I can step away and see my mind falling falling apart, my mind going crazy, and not believe that. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I can come out of it quicker. And that's something you can train and improve. So I'm not, I'm not scared anymore of my depression. Can it come and bite me in the ass in two years, five years, ten years? Uh, yeah. And, and am I am I constantly on guard in the sense that like I do whatever I need to do daily to make sure that I'm in rem- stay in remission? Yes. Is it my fault? No. Mm-hmm. And and that's why um, shaming or saying to people that they're weak, it's I think it's coming from fear. I think it's things we don't understand. We wanna we wanna push away, and the best way to push away is 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 not to empathize. And if I empathize, I have to feel with you, man. That sucks. I don't want to fucking feel. <laughs> and That's scary. Although we're not presetting the practices or traditions of these new communities, most likely having that support around and that ability to talk about these things in an open-hearted way for, through whatever means for the, these religions or these communities you're talking about, that'll probably be quite helpful for this as well. That's definitely one of the... That's why I did put five principles and um, seven developmental tasks and some um, uh, spiritual elements. And I think what I called it, I called it, that's like the open source code. So it's there and it's the basic, it's the bare bone. So you can get the HTML running, so to speak, as a metaphor. Um, but but the community puts in the, the color and the shapes and the animation. Awesome. I hope people understand the, the metaphor, but so uh, you have to have you have to have some bare bones. And uh, one example is, you know, you, if you want to play soccer, you're gonna need a referee, some clear lines where you play, and you and what you can do and you can't do. The creativity is up to the players. Right. The same with piano. You have to have those numbers of of of, of, of the, the I don't know how to say English the keyboard. 
um, you can't have a piano that has strings. It's not a piano anymore. So that that we have to put in place. And then people can jazz whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, so, so that that's what I'm trying to put in the book. I'm saying, hey guys, I think that if you wanna if you wanna jazz, you're gonna need A B C D E, and now go and jazz. And when you're focusing um, on, for example, psychology and atheism and religion, all these things together, I feel like it's gonna really help people do that yoga of the mind. And stretch beyond these different concepts because if you were only talking about religion, I do feel like people might get stuck on it. But if you continually point to these other modern and postmodern experiences, then I feel like people are going to be able to kind of move forward in a more integrated way. That's we are at the. We, this is the age of integration. This is the age of synthesis. We have anything you open on the internet, you can go until until you you know for forty years into the depth of a topic. Yeah. So I'm looking I'm looking right now in my library, okay? I have hundreds of books about like, you know, 50, 70 topics. And we done we've done that so well. We went we we broke reality into a thousand fragmentations and we just ran with it all the way. But now we have to bring it all together again. Mm. I like that. Right? That's a really beautiful. And and, and each each integration is going to be different. It's going to be a different mix of the books, of the colors, of the shape, of what soup, whatever you want to make it, and 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 of course we have to bring religion and, and, and psychology together because we know so much, right? We have to talk about trauma, we have to talk about attachment, we have to bring in the knowledge that we've gathered through five thousand years of of, of of sages and and masters and elders that brought us all this knowledge. What we're going to say now? No, it's stupid. It's this this old you know, people from the past, didn't know, crap. Well, they might have had cultural context, but, but the experience, the phenomenological experience of them exploring reality and consciousness is profound. And they are the scientists of the mind. You know, and they, you know, they got trapped in, in their cultural lens. Like, I'm trapped in my cultural lens right now as I speak to you. And people so, in the future will be trapped unless we have, again, these understandings to be able not to be trapped, too, right? Yes. With the knowing that we're always trapped forever. Right. <laughs> because infinity, because we can't access infinity, we can only access it through the boxes. Right. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, when you do a, a, a ceremony either on... on medicine or not a medicine and then you get ex, you know you go to expand and you get you get to these amazing places and you're like oh that's also a box <laughs> <You> know, it's, <laughs> like, it's like no matter how expansive no matter where you go within within reality it's like inception it's always man. it's always and um, it's such a beautiful experience and it's always just the next point of view as, as I, you know we spoke about 10 years ago but it's also whole but always partial right. yeah that and that rectification of that dialectic of whole and partial i think is one of those really important things for our time as well yes so so imagine again the politics that all the politics not you know imagine in, in your dream but imagine <laughs> that politicians say hey my perspective is whole but it's part because that guy on the other side also is holding a really important perspective that is partial but true why couldn't that happen, Jahar? It's so funny. Like that, that to me just seems so uh, possible. 
And it seems like it's not a stretch actually for that type of communication to happen. And I'm very lucky to be in communities of people where we speak that way though, you know, and you're a part of those communities where we can say, because, go ahead. Because the structures that hold that, hold that are from the 19th to 18th century. Yeah. The, our politics is still from the 18th and 19th century. Yeah. yeah. I we th- know, like we, that's I think- what I'm saying. Like every, all our structures are like literally from the 19th and 18th century. And, and they're running an operating system that is like 300 years old and trying to, and no wonder everything's it's full of bugs and it's like constantly collapsing. I think we're going to be able to do it. I really honestly feel there's going to be a time, I don't know how long it's going to take, it doesn't really matter how long, where people are going to speak with that exact understanding of, I, I, I can be confident in what I'm saying without being overbearing to other people. I just think that yes. would be so wonderful and it'd be so possible. And I'm again, I'm in communities where we do that, where we're able to have ideas and have inspirations and help teach each other without being dicks about it, basically. And it's fucking awesome. It is. And and it's going. And I think we'll get there in you know, 500,000 years, 5,000 years, <laughs> if we make it. No, really, it's, it's cool to even imagine that. And then imagine that even that is going to be limited. That's number yeah. one, yeah. which is even beyond cool because then, then, then we don't get into the trap of like, we're the trailblazer and we're yeah. so like profound yeah. and, and we are, the, you know, because that welcome to the cult yeah. again, yeah. really that's the red flag of, right. Of, of any cutting edge idea. Um, so really be, be, we have to be aware of that, but also that, and the issue and Wilbur talks about it a lot is that every generation is born from zero. So even if a 500 years from now, the whole, the whole culture is awake our children are going to wake up and still have to go through selfishness and power issues. So we're always going to have a Genghis Khan. We're always mm. going to have a Erdogan. We're always going to have a Trump. And we're always going to be at the risk of consciousness collapsing on itself. Right. And so that's why these structures that you're helping with this book to put in place are going to be not safeguards, but um, uh, helpful in navigating those issues. A drop in the ocean but yes yeah okay well why don't we talk again how can people find this campaign that you're running um well they can go to my website uh, shaharabi.com hopefully we can put a link on and uh, also just go to indiegogo and search shaharabi as um and you'll find me I, I really would like this book to be published. I, I think I think it's um like I said a drop in the water, but it's you know every every drop counts eventually. Yeah. If you take all the drop, there's no water. So yeah. um, I I I hope that people find the some some of the ideas tonight were uh, that we spoke were stimulating and um, enough to get them um, their heart to say yes to support this project. Yeah. Well, I personally believe in you, and I know that you will publish this book. So I'm, uh, and let's, uh, any, any support that anyone listening, uh, feels to help with, whether it's even just through promotion and sharing this podcast or the last podcast or anything else that Shaharap has on his website, I think it would be really helpful. Thanks, John. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. <laughs> All right. I love you. Okay, Josh. I love you too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions for the podcaster today, send an email to question jcp at gmail.com that's q-u-e-s-t-i-o-n j-c-p at gmail.com 